And I think that's the hard part to get over it is how long you've lived with something feeling normal while also feeling abnormal. And um, I'm just, I'm so glad that you were the one there to tell that to, because being able to do that has really set me down the path of healing that I think I needed. We used to be kids. Now we're not. Something happened in between. This is the Broken Youth Club. immediately um and so I think at that point you were just kind of like talking to me about your mom's boyfriend and then you kind of just started slowly telling me about like when your parents got divorced and you just kind of went into it I Mm -hmm. think yeah uh well welcome to the broken youth club I'm Logan I'm Kate and uh (laughs) we we really don't know how to start these things so I think we're going to start these shows just talking like we normally do and I think that's the premise of this show the spirit of the show is just kind of getting in on the midnight talks that we like to have. And since we've moved out to Washington now from Indiana a few years ago, there's no family out here. It's really hard for us to find the time to be together and and to talk away from the kids. Yeah. And so this is a good way for us to uh, have these long midnight therapeutic talks and force ourselves into doing it. Because yes. every time we do, we always say, oh, we should do this more. We really should make more time. Because I always come away feeling better after we talk. And I think in starting this show and in, in developing uh, the, the through line to where we are now, it became more and more clear that the, um, again, the spirit of the show is just about talking. And I think that was something that you had kind of put together. And I didn't really, I knew it was about, recovering from trauma uh and like specifically for me childhood trauma but for you and again through this journey of starting this i think you realized you maybe have more trauma than uh you maybe had realized yeah i think i had a lot of um things happen during my like critical moments of development Mm -hmm. into a young lady and um, those things I'm still trying to actively um, undo, unlearn. And then even since having kids and things that I have been very intentionally doing differently than my parents, um, I think kind of spoke to, you know, these moments where I felt like my parents did the best. They thought they were doing the best that they could. Um, and I think that they had parents that spoke to them in ways that then was being replicated. Mm. Um, and I'm very actively trying to break that. And then I feel like a lot of my trauma and stuff has just happened even into motherhood, into adulthood, and trying yeah. to balance all of that and not lose myself in the process. Yeah. So I, th- I think, yeah, I think in this show we're going to do our best each week to just address different aspects of our childhood. I think sometimes it'll lean into 
exploring trauma. And I think sometimes it'll lean into just being nostalgic and yeah. and and feel feeling good. Um, I think the shows the the pilot. This is the pilot. The test audio that we sat down and did. We did like two of them. Yeah. We had no script, not even really any beats. We just started off with a random question, and we were able to go like we always do for uh, about an hour, and we stopped and and tested it out and saw where we were at, and we really liked the just the fluid nature of it. So I don't think at t up top we're going to give you any more than a general what we're trying to accomplish throughout the episode. Um and if we get there, that's awesome. If we don't, I think the bottom line is that we talked and that there was some connection. Right. You know? Yeah. And I think that, you know, your life was so <clears throat> different than mine up until we got into our relationship. And then trying to learn how you maneuver through things versus how I do. And then, I mean, even as adults, you know, we've both... um had counselors, we both had therapists. Um, and it felt like uh, at a certain point, it was just if we could sit down and talk together, yeah, then it felt like this really safe space. Nobody cares about my well being more than you do, yeah, and vice versa. So it just felt like it was a way for us to get really close and really understand where we're coming from. And I think that it. You know, it all kind of happened during these moments when we were in kind of rougher parts of our marriage and kind of trying to figure out, you know, our our kids were getting older and um, trying to figure out why we weren't on the same page with certain things. Yeah. And so I think really digging back into what we were doing when we were kids and how our parents were, you know, treating us or mistreating us. Mm. Um really played into then what we were trying to do yeah. and the things that maybe I was doing that made you uncomfortable or things that you were doing that made me uncomfortable when it came to parenting our own kids. Yeah. Well, I think we're specifically you and me are in such a unique position in the fact that we've been together for 17 years yes. going on 18, 17 and a half. Right. Yeah. And I, I asked Kate out in high school when I was 15 years old. Yeah. I was, I was a fresh 15 year fresh old. 15. I was only 15 for like, Literally a month. Yeah. A little over a month. And uh, I think that's a story for another time. But it was a very John Hughes uh, boombox over the head moment. Yeah. And every time I tell that story, people are like, it's it's almost like too much cheese on that burger. Uh, yeah. It was corny in the moment also. Yeah. Um, but, you I'm, know, it's it, still a story it that I'm happy. And, and I'll tell it. I'll tell it. <laughs> but uh, as soon as you said, yeah, I, there was... And it was different with you, for sure. Like, I had girlfriends. Not many, because uh, I was a nerd. <laughs> Surprise. Um, but yeah, like you said, I wanted everything to do with you. Yeah. Because I, for the first time, I had found... You said I didn't really know what home was. And I know, looking back, when I when I say that, it is... I felt like I had a couple places that I lived that felt as close to home as I could make it. Yeah. But the fact that I moved so much growing up, there was a period again, like down at, when we lived in Greene County, Indiana, I was there for you know several years. I would say that was a good chunk. Sure. But you know, once what basically once I hit late elementary school, I moved so much at one point when we were in college, I had moved like 
over 25 times in my life. I had tallied it up. And I, I'm not even a military brat. Like, I don't, I, 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 I when we <laughs> You're would, bouncing around the same 30 miles. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I'm not even going across the state. It's, yeah. I'm going a county or two over and then, or back, and then sometimes even back into the same house. Um, sometimes it was a trailer. Um, I had so many different homes that I, I wasn't able to plant, I think, especially when it counted. That's why I say, like, I know when I was younger, I was able to make some memories like playing in the woods and, you know, knowing the layout of one of my childhood homes. I, I do have some of that, but, um, yeah, I, I just have never really had a single place that I could say, as an adult, this is where I get to go back to. I have my grandparents' cabin. Right. Um, I think that's, that is the most place now, but even now, I mean, my grandparents are gone. All my aunts and uncles on that side are gone, and it kind of feels kind of ghostly to go there. But yeah, I remember being with you. We were, it was pretty, pretty early on. Cause I remember saying that too. Yeah. But it truly felt like you guys, what you would have your meals every fucking night and you well, had I your mean, routine and, and it felt just so like, this is what I felt like I was missing. And you guys taught that the big thing for me, the whole, the, the culture shift and coming into your household was that you guys talked about everything. You said your feelings. We do. <laughs> and that's something we just <laughs> never did. And so that's how, that was the big thing that you and I had to learn just communication-wise as to how to communicate together. Right. Well, and I mean, in contrast, I grew up in the same home my entire life. My parents moved there before I was born, <clears throat> lived there still. Still there still today. lives there. <laughs> and it looks pretty much the same. I mean, um, they did a renovation back when... Was that high school or college? Yeah, so I think it was early high school. Yeah, but still a while back. But yeah, so we didn't move around and mm -hmm. we absolutely had a routine. You and have you have the property on your arm as a tattoo. I do. Like I that's do. that's cool. I yeah. wish I had I mean again, my grandparents' cabin, I could probably do something like that. But yeah. It was also, again, sorry to cut you off, it was going back to it was more than just the home, is what your family did with the home. It was your dad had his wood piles, you know, you had the fireplace and the and the the chair next to it that again, that chair was there before you were born. Right. And being able to just be a part of something that is so uh concrete in time is comforting. Right. And, and that's what I was able to get a piece of comfort of that, I think, in high school. Well, and I think that I mean, more than anything, my family, um, there is a lot of stability. Uh my parents not only lived in the same home always, um, but my parents uh, have been married the whole. They've never divorced. Uh, both sets of my grandparents stayed married, never divorced. That's so well. So we came from this very stable. Uh, I mean, I call it stable, but there were obviously like shaky moments. But it yeah. was you could always count on these people being together, right? Especially relative Whether, to fucking everybody else you encounter. Right? Yeah, I, I'm. I didn't have a lot of friends that had parents that were still together, mm -hmm. and so you and I were so different <clears throat> in so many ways when it comes to just like what we even expect from relationships. And I mean, I feel like for a while there, you were so afraid. That I was just going to leave. Yeah. Because you experienced so much of that. Yeah. And for me, I couldn't understand that because I'm like, I'm not, <laughs> I'm still here, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. um, so I think for us, it was just, there were so many big, big differences between 
our upbringing and the life that we were living when we met each other mm-hmm. that caused a little bit of like, what is going on here? Yeah. Because I felt like you were so, uh, you were so like just like nails in me all the time. Like you just wanted to be right there. I wanted everything to do with every part of you. Yeah. Yeah. And it, and it It was was like, it was truly like my first experience of (laughs) of like a drug, like truly that love is a drug thing. Uh, When I would go home uh, and lay in my, my bed in that trailer, there was a mattress on the floor, a TV on a thing. Like there was nothing in that room. I didn't have posters on the wall. I would just think about the next day to where I get to see you again, like truly. Well, and I think within that first year of us dating, um, your mom moved two or three times at least. Mm-hmm. Your dad moved three times. <laughs> three times. Yeah. Uh, no, four times because he, yeah, four. Well, literally within the first year to year and a half that we dated it's like every couple months so it was yeah. yeah it was just this wild you were almost just this like adventure to me i was yeah. like what are you gonna tell me next it's so Who's wild because i felt Where are you always moving? felt so boring yeah no I still feel kind of it's like oh my gosh and then yeah i mean my parents we you know i have one sister she's my yeah. full sister we have lived together forever and we always we talked about everything you were until tight. we were blue in the face. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If someone had an issue, you knew about it. You talked about it. <laughs> you worked it out. You moved on. Uh, you didn't repeat the same mistakes. Yeah. And I remember really struggling with that with you because I felt like my expectations from what I have from people uh, is very much just like be upfront with me. Just let yeah. me know what's up. Right. And if there's a problem, I'd love to talk about it. Uh, and then we'll move past it. And it felt like. There were a lot of times when you would tell me about stuff happening at home. And I was like, well, you know, what did they say about that? And you're like, well, I didn't say anything. I'm like, what are you talking about? You didn't say anything. (laughs) That was wild to me. This idea that y'all didn't speak your minds. There was just a lot of like, we're going to brush it under the rug and brush under the rug. And uh, it just created this, uh, this almost resentment that I carried for both of your parents for a long time where yeah. it just felt like for me that communication is so important and it shows that you care that you're willing to have those like hard conversations or you're willing to apologize or you're willing to do these things and it felt like you didn't have uh, very many examples of that. And so instead, you just had to, like, swallow it a lot of the time. Yeah. And that was difficult. And then when we started, like, really getting to know each other and you started telling me about uh, your your stepdad that you had for um, the majority of your childhood and kind of what happened there, it just kind of built this uh, wall for me when it came to making relationships with your family that we struggled with up until literally like three years ago. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. So I don't know, um, <clears throat> like how much you want to talk about your relationship with your stepdad on this pilot episode. Yeah, I but... mean, I'm sure we'll go. There's so much to go into. Yeah. There truly is. But, truly. But yeah, I mean, my mom divorced my dad when I was like a baby. I was like one, and she married a dude um, who they went to high school with both and. Um, it was tumultuous the whole time. He was, 
a greasy mechanic and he was a super alcoholic, uh, an abusive alcoholic. And I, yeah, that was one of the big catalysts of, I think one of the two catalysts of this show and like me breaking down and, and telling you about my life. And I think the Darren, the abusive stepfather angle was something you knew about early. Early on, yeah. And uh, he was, he, he, I think, enjoyed the role of disciplinarian. And he, you know, we had the belt situation and um, I got my ass whipped and lit up all the time to where, you know, it hurt to sit down. Um, one of the big things for me was when I was in elementary school from, I think we did this in like the second and third grade. Yeah, second and third grade. I, you know, remember those like um, lenticular agendas that mm -hmm. you would get? Isn't that what they were called? Yeah, where you can like run your fingers yeah, on yeah, them yeah. and they make that noise. And oh, uh, <laughs> so I was so out of hand that they had to have this special deal with my school and my teacher. Well, but they, you, why were you out of hand? I have ADHD. You have ADHD. <laughs> I have diagnosed ADHD. <laughs> Absolutely. And it was pretty. Uh, ADHD. It's always been pretty, you know, intense when I was younger as far as the hyperactive part. Yeah. Where my brain just doesn't shut off. My my motor skills don't shut off. I'm a drummer for a reason. Yeah. You have always been just kind of like moving around. Yeah. I mean, my I in, my feet are always tapping. And I it's like a some people rock. I, I've had a couple friends who like, you know, they, they will get in their recliner on purpose or, or another friend who would do it when he would drive. Yeah. And I think that is my, like, it is a rhythmic thing that keeps my motor going. I don't know. I've always had it even before I had a drum set. And, um, so I know I was a lot, I know I was a lot. Um, but that got translated into, I would have to present my book to my, um, teacher at the end of every day. And she would have to score me from zero to 10. And I remember I, when I first started that, I could not pull a fucking seven to save my life. Oh, yeah. And then the, the cutoff was if I got a seven or below. Oh, no. I think it was the six or below. I'm sorry. I'm so fuzzy on that. Now that I say that. Six or, six or below or seven or below. It equaled an ass whipping when I got home. Yeah. Pants down, across the lap, a belt across my ass. Or a switch, but it was, no, it was normally a, a belt. He would use his hand too. I think he did liked that. Did he make that. you go like pick your own branch? Did he? No, pick I, the I, we never really did branches. I think maybe a couple times. I yeah. remember going over to my cousin's house. This is another just random story, but I remember he like stabbed a hole in his trampoline for some reason. And I remember my uncle Randy made him go pick out a switch then, old school style. And I watched him get his ass lit up. But yeah, it was like this. And we were mentioning this the other day that. I'm sure part of it was, came from the fact that he came from the generation where this is like a tough love thing. I have to do this to straighten you out because I quote unquote love you. <clears throat> but I just don't think there was any introspection there. And if there was, he didn't do anything about it because I, I this continued, you know, f for years, you know. Right. And yeah, like I said, I, I could not, could not get above the threshold to just, basically be okay in my home yeah. <laughs> when I got home. And, and the, the, the thing was, you know, my mom was uh, growing up, she was in nursing school 
And so she would always leave, you know, like five o'clock, at least for a handful. I, I did clarify that with her. It was only like three or four years that she did that, but it felt like fucking 10. You yeah. Know? So I'd get home and it would just be mom, but there would be this period of wait till Darren gets home, you know, like he's going to have to do, like, those are the rules, you know? And I would be in this like, like shivering fear sometimes knowing like, I know what's coming. Like, I know what's coming and there's nothing you can do about it. And maybe he'll have mercy on you. Maybe he had a good day. But again, homie was an alcoholic. So, and I, I don't know how many people alcohol brings out the anger, but sure did with him. And he didn't hit me like a kid. He hit me like a, at least a teenager. Like he hit me with force and, uh, yeah, I would say it wasn't fun. I, I, I don't know where to really go with that. But yeah, it. Um, he's no longer here. He died last year. Right? Last year. And I, I lost, I, I cut him out when I went to college. He tried a couple times because my mom married him. They divorced when I was in elementary school. And then they remarried for like. It was less than a year. Yeah, like nine months, Which six months. Which was so weird because yeah. we were dating and your mom was dating somebody else. And then I came over uh, to your grandparents because y'all were living there. Yeah. And I remember we were just riding around in the yard on the golf cart and you were like, hey, so guess what? And yeah. I'm like, oh my God, what? I'm like, I always love the tea and you've always got something <laughs> going on. So I'm like, what? I'm going to check something. Keep going. And you were like... Um, mom broke up with the guy she was dating and she is engaged to Darren. Yeah. And I'm like, they weren't even dating. Like, what do you mean? Yeah. And everything I had heard about Darren was awful. Was awful. This dude was terrible to you, terrible to your mom, terrible to your brother, terrible to your sister. Like, terrible to everyone. And then within a couple months, they were married again. And it was terrible the whole time you moved again into a house that was pretty i liked that house a lot but he was awful to you the one on hillside mm -hmm. yeah that was a cool and then house. it was very cool house. and then whenever they got divorced again because he was still being terrible yeah. to your mom and terrible to everyone then he like stole the battery out of your truck mm. and threatened to beat your ass and like yeah. all this random weird stuff. He was just such an awful, awful person. And I think that again, one of those things that really made it hard for me to want to have a relationship with your mom for a long time mm. um, was even hearing you talk about her seeing those scores and be like, Oh wait till Darren gets home. And it's like, yeah. why, why yeah. would you let somebody else? Why would you let anyone first <laughs> do that to your kid yeah but also why let your husband do that that's not your dad um and let it get to this like extreme place you yeah. know it wasn't a simple you're grounded or that was naughty or you don't get to have dessert it's like yeah i literally can't sit down for days because it hurts so bad that's i've thought about that um because, yeah, I think from my mom's standpoint, and I don't want to speak for her, but if I had to guess, uh, she was also in an abusive relationship. Correct. And so my 
um, hypothesis on that is she also had to fall in line with Darren to, to an extent. Right. And if she were to, I don't know, put her foot down and say, like, I don't think we should be disciplining this way. I don't know what he would do to her behind closed doors. I, I don't I don't want to insinuate anything, but I, the dude wasn't a good dude. And he did spend time behind closed doors. So, yeah. uh, and I think that, you know, as an adult now, I can see that as someone who does have a good relationship with your mom now, yeah. I can see that I can sympathize with it. But when we're dating and I'm 16, sure. 17, even all the way up through having Oliver and thinking, I would never let someone do that to me. Well, I've never been in a, an abusive relationship, yeah. so right. I can't speak to what that's like. Yeah. And I can only imagine how awful that is. And especially when you're with someone that you need to be with financially if it's somebody that is helping you you know pay the bills yeah. and and help raise the kids so that they have yeah you know a mom and a dad in the house with them or mm -hmm. you know whatever whatever people were looking for in the 90s <laughs> or yeah. the early 2000s that they were willing to not I don't want to say willing to but that they thought they needed yeah. to have their kids grow up into being happy healthy adults yeah I think I truly believe your mom was trying to give you those things. Oh yeah, which is no, why yeah. we're able to have a relationship now. Yeah, but when we were younger, I was like, "Who is this person?" I know. <laughs> I'm sure, like, it was hard to to see from my mom's perspective. Yeah, when you're a kid, but like I said the other day, my mom did the the single parent thing even when she was married to Darren. Yeah, and um, from what I understand. Even when she was married to my dad, too, you know, they they were kids, you know, I, I on one hand, you can't blame them for it not working out. They weren't set up for it to work out. Right. Um, so I don't blame them for that. I truly don't. But um, I think what I do blame them for as their son is how they treated each other for years. And I think if they both were to look back on that and were honest with themselves, they would agree. And I think had they been able to co-parent better, I think things would be a little different. Right. But even to, there, there, there's no anima. Well, I don't want to say that. I don't know what they got going on. <laughs> but as far as like, uh, it used to be like hearing the other parent's name was this like, you could hear the venom in the air. Right. But now it's like, I think they've just gotten so far beyond that. They're, you know, my dad is in a marriage now for several, several years since we were in high school. Yeah. Um, and then my mom is in a, a, a new relationship of, uh, I think they're going on a couple years now, right? I think they have been a couple years. Yeah. My mom was very, after divorcing Darren the second time, that's when her like strong, independent woman like really solidified, I think. Right. And no man was good enough. And I remember that where she had a handful of boyfriends, but they just literally, she would tell me they just didn't cut it. They weren't up, they weren't caliber enough because she lived, my mom's always gone to school or worked at the hospital. Like since I was a kid, like that's what she does. She was a, a medical professional and she dedicates her time to her field and her patients. And when it's not that, it's her kids. 
And my mom was at a time in her life is like, if you can't fucking get with that program, then I want nothing to do with you. And she, my, you, I think you ask anybody, people who work with her, friends, family, anybody. My mom has a very, um, yeah, strong woman, and like uh, has a, a very strong presence about her. I think when you when you engage with her, it does feel like though the last few years your mom has softened a bit. And I don't know if it's. Well, I think she's. It's, I think. I don't. Yeah. Go ahead. I don't know if it's because uh, I. I remember at one point she mentioned that she was also mm-hmm. talking to a therapist. Yeah. Um, and I think especially during the, you know, the time we had maybe what like a year where we didn't have a lot of contact. Yeah. Yeah. About that. Um, which I know was really hard for all of us. Yeah. Um, but I do think that it gave all of us some time to like breathe. And think about what life would be like if the other person truly wasn't in it ever yeah. again. And like, what's what are you willing to do to fix the relationship? Yeah. And that's coming from things I needed to do. Uh, yeah, everybody. To do, what mom. does everybody yeah, need everyone. to do to make sure this is a long thing, something that has longevity? Yeah. And it, was, it was, wasn't just my mom. It was also my brother. Yeah. And my sister. And um, yeah. we're all in a great place today i would say some of us are still working through i think some things yeah but overall i'm happy to be where we are with everyone compared to where we were before and and again on the show that's something i'm we're guaranteed to go into yeah um well because i really think a lot of the healing when it came to uh our relationship with your mom my relationship with your mom specifically um it it was we have to talk. We have it's to have, communication and boundaries. We have to have some hard conversations yeah. that neither one of us are going to like. And we're going to get off the phone and probably still not like it. <laughs> yeah. But if you have enough of those with someone that you at the end of the day really truly do care about and do yeah. want a relationship with, you just have to like wade through the fucking mud for a minute. Yeah. You know, it'll, it'll suck. But I from our perspective, talking is king. We don't have to be a professional, and I guess I, I guess I should say that we are not professionals. No. We are not giving any sort of like actual professional or medical advice. Right. And when we say anything, it is merely from the perspective of this is what has like we've been through, and this is what has worked for us, and this is what hasn't worked for us. Yeah. Um. Because I think yeah, when it comes to like, uh, I used to drink heavy. Now I'm sober. I don't know. I'd have to pull up my app to see where I'm at. I like. I actually enjoy not peeking in on it too often. Yeah. I think the big milestones, like the month milestones, are are great. I think I'm coming up on like eight or nine somewhere on there. And uh, what was the point I was making with that? Well, I think you were just talking about. Um, I don't know. Oh, like shoot. us going. Through. This happens a lot, by the way. This- I think we should, and I, I. And that's something I'm working on, not beating myself up, self yeah. up with. Is that again going back to my ADHD? Uh, the thing, the metaphor I always use with you and everybody else, I call it my thirteen radios thing. Um, and that is, there's always thirteen things that are making noise in a room that I can hear and I can pick up on and I could tune in. I think that's why music comes easy to me. That's why I enjoy editing "Scared to Death" for Bad Magic because there's a lot of like. Um, 
it's a cinematic horror score with like weird thing and, and my ear picks up on those things. I, I, right. I have used that quote unquote curse at, for my career as talents. Um, but it doesn't always shut off. And when I think about thoughts that come into my brain, I ha- I always pause because I have to think about which one I want to grab <laughs> out of the air and it, I can't. And so when I lose a thought, it's long gone and I have no fucking clue where I was. So I usually will speak in the moment. So I hope you're okay with that. <laughs> but I'll, sometimes I'll find my way back. Yeah. And we have our shorthand. I'll just say help and you know what I'm looking for. You're pretty good about that usually. But yeah. Not today. I try. Sorry. <laughs> That's okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I would say, so that, that was, I think, a good wrap up on, on the Darren stuff for now. I think there's a lot more, again, that we can go into later. Yeah. Um, I think that was the, like the, the, the first part of my life, probably the, the, well, I don't say the first part. Cause I guess the thing I'm wanting to get into is the second thing I think that really led to this show. Yeah. When, and I think that when we're talking about you, you being in kind of the depths of your alcoholism, um, yeah. we, when we've, when we first got together all the way back in high school, um, you very immediately from the jump were like, hey, I don't want to date if you are somebody that likes to drink or you likes to part. Like, yeah, if you like to party. Yeah, for me. Yeah, early. like it's not for me. And I think, you know, I wasn't someone that liked to do that a lot. I wasn't against it, but I would. I wasn't someone that was doing that a lot. But it felt like because of the things that you had told me about Darren and about him being an alcoholic, it like registered, you know, it was like, okay, I understand that. So yeah. I just won't. You, I mean, I don't think that you had a first, like your first drink of actual alcohol until after you were legally able to do it. Uh, and on my own volition. Yeah. No, yeah. Yeah. And yeah, that's another, that's a whole nother that's story. That's a whole other yes. thing. Yeah. yeah. Well, you have an abusive alcoholic, stepfather you're going to have alcohol in your system before you should before you consent to it being in there yes unfortunate we'll get into that but um and then it kind of just feels like you decided to drink you started you decided to try to get yourself drunk during a time when you and i were living apart because i'm a year older than you and so i graduated college a a year earlier yep and I moved for a job, and um, and so you. I remember you telling me you had just kind of decided that you were going to try to get yourself drunk one night, see how much it took. It ended up it's very clinical. A, like it ended up taking a lot, um, way too much. And you have always had this like very high tolerance, basically to everything too. Really, truly, and it feels like from there it it like it really did just kind of spiral immediately yeah. um and i think that you thought you were really great at hiding it and i always knew yeah. what was going on <laughs> um even during the moments when you were actively telling me you weren't i'm like i i know i'm gonna find something if i go looking for it yeah um and then it just kind of felt like yeah we i mean we had we had gone through years of this and it was, I mean, I think you were like 28 or 29 before. I mean, it was late in the game of our relationship before, before, what? before you finally broke down and told me 
more about your childhood than you had ever told me before, and which was so I th- heartbreaking. I think it was more like 26 or 27. I'm 32. I know. It's not, it's not been, it's been a little more than three years ago, right? It was right before we moved out here. Okay. It was like the November yeah. before we moved late, out Late here. 20s. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I just remember how heartbreaking it was for me to hear you say it because, you know, in the decade that we had been together up to that point, I always was like, man, Logan truly has had the hardest childhood I could imagine outside of kids who are sexually assaulted. Um, you had had at all of the, all of the other terrible boxes had been checked for you. So the night that you had gotten yourself really, really drunk and then told me about that part, that was like, oh, oh, fuck. <laughs> I don't, I don't know how to help you with that. I don't, and I don't know how to control myself when the person that I love the most tells me those things and tells me the people that that did that to you. I mean, it just became this whole new space for us where I I felt so unprepared and so like I I do not know how to help you with this. And that was the first time that I was like, Logan, you have to have a therapist because yeah. I don't I don't know what to say to this. And I think maybe also I need to have a therapist because I because I don't know what to say to you. Yeah. And and I don't I don't want to say the wrong thing ever. Um, and I try to be really careful with how I respond when you tell me things because I don't want it to come off like I'm attacking anybody. Yeah. No. Um but that was hard. Yeah. Um so I know you've been really open about it. Yeah, I've tried then. to talk to it's still something that it gets easier to talk about. And I think that's the big takeaway is, I mean, I'm tearing up now, but my voice isn't shaking yet. Maybe I'll get through this podcast (laughs) without crying, but I guess now would be a time to tell y'all that, I mean, it's going to be a heavy podcast at times. We're going to get into nostalgia. We're going to get into fun things. Like uh, on our mic test the other day, we were just talking about Disney movies and Nickelodeon and it was super fun. I think that's a part of the healing process is like weaving that in. Right. But yeah, for me, I was just a shell that day. I think that was literally when people look back and think of a, like a rock bottom that I remember it vividly. It was a rock bottom. Yeah. And um, I just remember getting in the shower and, t- and it is tied into my, my drinking. And this was also right off the back of that multi-million dollar deal that fell through for us. That we had Lu- put so much money that we did not have it into we had, <laughs> hiring people yeah, and yeah. trying and we to just lost, pull this you thing know, together. Employees that we had to re-let go. And my dream was crushing. And I just lost a friend. And the only thing that I really had truly was you, the kids, and the house that we were in. I was happy to be in the house we were well, in. Well, and our second our second baby was brand new. Brand around new at that time. Like Arlo, yeah. So it was just But I remember it was on my brain. I was angry at my brother. I just all the the conditions were right. Yeah. I think. And I just got out of the shower and I had this overwhelming sense that I needed to tell you something I haven't told literally anyone in my life. 
not even my mom. I haven't even said it out loud to myself. It's like you don't really even acknowledge it. That's something that's like um, when you think about it, it's like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And then you just like put it in the back of your head and then you go about your day. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah that happened. That happened. <clears throat> it's how you rationalize it. It's how you move on. And I remember, yeah, just being in that state where alcohol was the only thing that truly numbed the 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 daily anxiety of living with all the things. But I think the thing that tipped it over the top was the fact that I was thinking about this shit and I was actively in therapy. So it's like you're opening wounds, you are raw and um yeah, I don't want to get I guess I don't want to be too graphic, but yeah, when I was uh I would say f- was 5 to 7ish, is 5 to 8, somewhere around that range. My, I had a a person that my family knows very well is a family member uh sexually assault me on multiple occasions. On multiple occasions. And it's something that, uh, I again, it you just it's kind of normal when you're a kid, and I think that's the hard part to get over it is how long you've lived with something feeling normal while also feeling abnormal. And um, I'm just I'm so glad that you were the one there to tell that to. Because being able to do that has really set me down the path of healing that I think I needed. Right. It's not just that, but it is a big part of me. And uh, I think since I've been open on the other podcasts about it, um, I, I, I work for a company called Bad Magic with a comedian named Dan Cummins. Um, it's a super awesome job. I get to do some amazing things. And one of the shows I'm on is a, like a behind-the-scenes show. And I once I opened up there, I started getting DMs. And um, we get some emails now. And it's so many other people saying that them hearing me speak about my experience has given them the courage to speak to the people that they love about it. And it's, it's the first step in healing. It truly is. And I don't know where I would be today had I not told you that. Yeah. When I feel like since you opened up about that, I think that you have also allowed yourself to just be so much more vulnerable with me um, because we're truly now in a space of there's just not there's no secrets. There's nothing that we don't tell each other that we don't talk about. And so I think that, you know, it opened up your ability to also just be really honest with me when you're not in a good headspace, if you're um, really feeling the the weight of our life, uh, if 
you're feeling really anxious, if you feel like your depression has really ramped up and it has given you kind of like the freedom to be able to lean on me for that. And I feel like for a really long time, you tried to not show that part of you. Um, You tried to hold that in. And I think that you used alcohol to cope with that. Um, And I know that was heavy. Uh, You've been the the sole breadwinner for our family for uh, almost 10 years. (laughs) Um, And I know that's a heavy weight Uh, and we just keep having babies. And so that keeps getting heavier. Um, We're done now though. So thankfully, Um, but it just felt like that night was hard. That was, that was probably the worst night of my life. Um, just because of kind of the whole, you know, play by play of how all of that went, um, which I assume at some point we might get into. Um, and it was, it was this terrible, terrible realization, um, about your life that I, I just really felt I didn't know what to do with. But I'm so thankful that you did tell me about it because I feel like it just like allowed both of us to really open up about everything that that bothers us at this point. You know, my stuff doesn't feel my my stuff isn't that, <laughs> um, which makes me struggle sometimes with feeling like my stuff is valid because it's not. Well, that's what I've struggled. What I think is that's what I've struggled with as well because I would also compare my situation with other people that I knew or in talking to other people through the years, you realize, Oh, I mean, if I had to categorize my shit versus this person's shit, I shouldn't be complaining. Yeah. And it's hard to not naturally feel that. And so I think anyone listening needs to understand you too, because again, that's that, that was the journey in coming to this pilot here is that originally the show was going to be a continuation of me talking about my therapy and you being like the supportive wife and helping me through that. But in doing that, you realized that you have things yourself that need attention. And excuse me, the broken youth club was a moniker that I had come up with because it actually came up with it about this time that I had told you what five years ago, whatever. Ago. Yeah. And it's because I wanted to make a clothing line out of it. And I wanted to like use a clothing line as the vehicle to have this message of, you know, solidarity and community. Um, the same thing we're trying to do here. Um, and yeah. I, and, I, and know that like, your broken your broken youth is yours and it yeah. is valid and yeah, heavy right. for you and my broken youth is also valid and yeah, it was heavy right. for me and it's something that i still you don't need to have really suffered sexual with. assault you don't need to have been you know beaten by a parent like we all have different things that can at least damage a uh, a kid's development right and then we still for whatever reason because it feels very rude. We still grow up and have responsibilities and we're like, but wait, we haven't even figured out what 
what went wrong, what, why we feel the way we feel sometimes, what's going on. There are so many times I look around and I'm like, I cannot believe I wake up in a house that we are responsible paying for (laughs) and we have kids that I have to feed. Well, yeah, that's where the tagline came from. I didn't even mean to. I was just trying to make a Facebook post about like the very early stages of this and it just came, but it became the tagline, which is we used to be kids and now we're not. Something happened in between. And I think this show is about analyzing that in between, that little dash. Yeah. And uh, because I'm a firm believer that you don't, you're not a kid and then you grow up into an adult. I think you're in a kid. Sorry. I think you're a kid. And like a video game, you just add on things that make you a much more advanced thing. But your core character is still the same character. I'm still a kid. And that kid is inside me. And so... When I address the trauma of telling you about my my sexual, and I say sexual assault, but I don't know what connotations that carries with other people. But for me, it was rape. It was not just some touching. You know right. what I mean? Like it was a SVU episode. You yeah, know, it was, for me. Yeah, and for anybody out there, if it is just uh, a certain, if it isn't penetration or whatever. There is still a, a a a boundary of your humanness that was crossed, right? And I think the only other th- I was trying to think about this the other day. The only other thing in life I think that has come even close to that was when we our, our house got robbed there on Kinzer in Bloomington. Yeah, and at first it's not, oh that's a little silly, but I think that even just that again, if your child if you were robbed. In a traumatic way, as as a, your house was broken into and all your stuff was lit on fire, whatever, there is a sense of that is your your safety and security. It's your personal space. It's your comfort, and someone is violating that. And then when and I remember you crying in that moment uh, of realizing it because you didn't know how to feel. Yeah. And I remember it hitting my brain of like that is exactly what feeling violated feels like is not knowing how to feel after being violated. And I remember, I don't know, as, as, a, as a woman, you have a different experience on this earth than I do. And I don't know how much, I, I don't want to like lob up a ball for you to have to swing at. So I'll let you speak on whatever you want to speak on. But again, you have a different experience about being objectified yeah. or you know, predatory behavior, yeah. et cetera. And I, I mean... I have never been raped, but I absolutely have been touched when I didn't want to. I have been um, rubbed down in ways that I'm actively trying to get you to stop do that, doing that. And that person would not stop doing that. I had to physically get up and leave. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I have had those. And it's funny when that was happening to me, um, which was basically uh, – <clears throat> as an adult but i'm like at this adult sleepover and everybody else is like sleeping and this dude will not stop touching me and i'm like pushing his hands away and he won't stop and i'm literally like stop it and he won't stop um i remember laying there and thinking like oh my gosh this is happening i can't like what what do i do there is there was this like fear of just like am i supposed to what do I do? Do I, I don't want to say anything too loud. Like 
I was still worried about embarrassing this dude in front of the other people that were with Mm, us because they were my friends. They absolutely would have been like, what are you doing? But in that moment, I still just had this, um, I I didn't want to say anything. Um, so I just was like trying to get him to stop. And I remember later feeling like, um, Like, I'm a loud supporter for women. Like, please, please do what you need to do to feel safe and secure. And I'm, like, always there um, if you need somebody. And I felt like in that, in those moments, I was, like, letting them down. Like, because I'm not telling this dude to stop. I'm not loudly telling him to stop. I'm not... It's like I'm more worried about embarrassing him than getting him to stop what he's doing. And it felt like so cowardly later. Um, So I don't know. I mean, I just I just think talking about this stuff, um, you know, I'm able to talk about it out loud and be like, well, that's ridiculous, Kate. Like, no, he is like a sleazy dude. And you like, yeah, when I found you do what you do in the moment. Um. Because you don't know what will happen next. And unfortunately, um, women and men and uh, and non-binary people, I mean, we all can be put in these positions where it is scary to stand up. You don't know what this other person is capable of. Um, so whatever you do in that moment is, and I, and I should say the right thing for you specifically but. when it comes to dealing with your stuff, if it, if it involves another person, a perpetrator, <laughs> there you go. He's pushing the microwave for a good old sniff. I am very drippy right now. <laughs> <laughs> learning, learning the ropes. Um, I should say if you, if, yeah, if someone else is involved in your story and you telling your story risks outing them or uh, risks making your life worse <laughs> you try to you try to get your water down i feel like i still heard it a lot i think it's because your your uh, earphones are more sensitive <laughs> than you think listen, and it, just, it's a good thing so you're not catching all your noises okay but. yeah well hey listen if you can hear it just ignore it for a <laughs> okay. moment okay yeah no i, I think because uh, for me in my story I still have not. I've only outed this person to my family and the the ones I care about. So like my mom, my dad, my brother, you, my grandma knew before she passed. Your sister knows. My sister knows. Uh, I don't think anyone else knows. Maybe a cousin or two. And what is so fucked about that individual actually um, is when you told me who it was. I sent them a message and I did it one because I was pissed. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> pissed. But I also did it because we saw this person regularly due mm. to a, a somewhat, situation. Re- somewhat that, regularly. Oh, a, yes. Due to a situation we were in. You're right. In that moment, we You're saw right. them regularly. That is right. Um, I would almost argue <clears throat> possibly daily. And so I sent the message to say, hey, I know what you did, you foul piece of shit. From now on, when you see us, turn the other way. Don't engage with us. You don't fucking know us. Yeah, you... Like, I put my fucking teeth into this message. I mean, Mm. I was pissed. 
And I was so mad that their response was very much like Logan knew what we were doing. Mind you, this dude was like 10 years older than you. Something like that, yeah. Close eight to 10 years older than Mm -hmm, you. mm -hmm. Much larger than you. Yeah. And like, nope, a five, a six, a seven, an eight-year-old, they don't know what they're doing. No. Um, They don't have a choice in that. And we went back and forth. um, And then ultimately, I just ended up blocking that person because I'm like, I don't, like, they will never actually acknowledge what they did. Um because that makes them feel icky. That yeah. makes them feel like the piece of shit that they are. But for me, it was like, I need to reach out to this person because I'm going to like, my. I felt like I was going to like crawl out of my skin if I did it. <laughs> like it was, I was so uncomfortable. Um, and I needed that person to know not to engage with us again, because yeah. up to that point. And they haven't. Mm, they have with you. They absolutely did approach at um, a funeral that we went to. And I did not like that. Oh, I did not like that. And they're lucky that I am a. But since then. Well, I don't even know that they could. I, I have true. that person blocked. Okay. I don't know if you do yeah. or not. But regardless. Yeah. The, I, the point I was making is you are totally allowed to do whatever you feel comfortable with. I think if you want to out this person, because that is what your. Uh, recovery process uh, requires absolutely do that i think yeah if if it requires you to to retain the identity of this person because of your personal security or your your own mental health and anxiety and, and all that good stuff which is part of the reason why i i just don't want to deal with it i don't want to drag my family into that because i don't know how much good will come of it and there again though going back to your point as someone who is so vocal about this, am I uh, a willing participant if this person is still doing this to other people? Right. Which, Which is I don't why... I don't truly think that is the case because I think this was a case of like early in life stuff and not, you know, like I, I don't know. But I don't wanna I don't wanna speak. I don't wanna speculate, I guess. Yeah. But there is a part of me that has felt that way of like do I have a responsibility of being someone with knowledge to protect other people? And I think you can think about that and that could be a deciding factor for you. But ultimately, I think ultimately when it's your story, you do what's right for you. Right. And you need to not truly think about how does this, what is the marketability of this to other people? Right. It is your fucking story. Did I ever tell you what, that guy said to me whenever I texted him the next day, like, hey, why did you do that? Did I ever tell you what he said? I don't think so. He literally was like, I'm so, he was so apologetic because he was nervous that I was going to tell people. Or the police. Uh, well, I don't know what. Yeah. But yeah. Sure. Uh, he was like, I'm so sorry. I just like, I just really have a thing for butts. And I'm like, cut your fucking hands off. Oh like, my God, dude. are you good? <laughs> like, you have a problem with butts? Ev- Literally everyone has them. So cut cut your hands off. Don't go in public. I didn't know that. Like, what a stupid fucking thing to say. <laughs> <laughs> I w- See, now that's where my dark humor wants to kick in. And that's where it's like, I have to reserve it on the show, I think. 
Yeah, just for like a hot sec. We just gotta like, you know. Yeah, I, I know. People. I know. I would say. I mean, I do have a juicy butt. So I mean, they're... yeah. Well, I mean, I did. I still do. I always have. And I, <laughs> but I get to say who gets to touch it. Yeah. And just because you like butts. Yeah. No, that is. That's a weird thing to even and... say back to me. Yeah. You could have just literally apologized over and over and over again. Good lord, I did. And not said you would never say that, that again. <laughs> Alas. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> that was not the case. But yeah. yeah, so I just think that um, after you were able to kind of tell me about all of that stuff, I think that was a big catalyst for us in um, having a better relationship with each other. I feel mm-hmm. like um, it gave you the permission from yourself to say, like, this thing was really hard for me. I'm really struggling with it. Um, and that let you to then tell me when other things were really hard and yeah, you were really right. struggling with it and that, and then we were able to like get you on a path of, uh, healing by talking about it, but then also like medication and ketamine yeah. therapy and all of the things that you've done that now and, and sober living, like yeah. all these things you've been able to accomplish in the last, I feel like in the last couple of years that, have really seemed to help you kind of maneuver through Mm. the shitty parts of life Mm -hmm. a little easier. Um, Not that it's always fucking easy, but um, it just, it seems like you don't feel quite as alone. Yeah. And I know that since I've been struggling a lot, I feel like, I feel like the hardest times for me have been in the last, like, eight or nine months. Okay. Um, yeah. I can feel it too. And I think for me, like being able to talk about it uh, and, and having a partner that sees me when I'm struggling and is able to pick up all of the, all of the, the effort whenever I need to like, just go lay down and be sad um, has been, a blessing for me um, because I just, I don't know. I, uh, I've had so many people let me down. uh, People that I feel like I really, really pour into and I give a lot. And then it, it feels like something switches for them. And it is so easy to, to just kind of discard me. Um, And that has really, it just feels like it just keeps getting harder to move forward from that Um, and to not just be really, really hurt all the time. And then just, I don't even want to know people because I'm just waiting for them to decide that their life is like just as good if I'm not in it. Um, And I feel like that's not a thing that I dealt with for the first 20 years of my life, you know? Um, so I don't know. I've been really, really struggling with yeah. that. And I think I'm hopeful that having this time to sit down and just talk to you and, uh, yeah. and have this platform where other people could reach out and maybe they have similar struggles that I have and we can mm-hmm. just kind of lean on each other too. I'm yeah. hoping that that will make it a little easier because I've just really, I feel like, you're looking for connection yeah. outside of me. And that like I can't, safe connection yeah. because I feel like 
everyone that I keep choosing in mm-hmm. my life, thinking they're safe, they end up not. They end up just being people that take and take and take. And as soon as I'm like, hey, I think that maybe you're taking a lot from me and you're... <laughs> and I, they're going. Then they're like, yeah, oh, she's no, caught I, on. It is so... I, I feel the same thing a lot when it came came to friends to where at this point, you know me, like it is, <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> it is, it is so hard for me to feel like I can make friends too that are uh, meeting me where I'm at. And, you know, I have three kids. I've, I'm all, I've always been ambitiously driven to do things. And so when we do have friends come along, it's fun, but it's like, we yeah we can't retain them and it's not because we're mean or anything like that. it's because we want to be our, our fun fast moving life and and we again we have kids and I, I think a lot of our uh friends it's just like you go through this phase where and I think that's what we're in right now especially again moving out here where we don't know anyone yeah. no, I mean we do now we know a few people but we again I've always kind of been a hermit when I just I feel like there's a difference between meeting people and like hanging out a little bit sure. and then just kind of deciding like maybe this isn't working or maybe yeah. there, we just have too many differences and it fizzling out. Um, and I just feel like I have unfortunately the last like three or four friends that I have really poured into for you know months and months yeah. or you know a year or two years or whatever, and it's like man you you know me so like intimately, you know, like how I feel about things, um, how I, how I treat people, you know, how empathetic I am, you know, that I'm like really going to ride for you if you need somebody in your corner. Um, and I think that's where the hurt comes. You know, if I hang out with somebody and it just doesn't work, that's fine. You know, like I probably don't like you either. And that's fine. (laughs) But when it's someone that I just feel like, and I mean, and this last one just really. There's a sense of betrayal because you feel, you feel like, I know everybody says you don't, you shouldn't expect things out of a friendship. And to an extent, I, I do agree. But you also like, I do think you should expect friendship out of a friendship. <laughs> you should expect some sort of um, reciprocity. I think, I think if you say, well, you shouldn't expect, then I don't know what kind of friendship you have. Yeah. But the deep friendships I've always had. There, it was an it was a mutual respect and reciprocity. Yeah, and then if we Until have a disagreement, because everybody does, that's like a normal human thing. You're not going to find someone that you agree about every single instance with. But if you have a disagreement with someone, my my gauge for whether or not you care is if you're willing to talk about yeah, it. Yeah, right. Yeah, like because we can shoot the shit about whatever gossip or you know again i love i love anytime someone's got something to tell me like you do love tea i love it i do because my life is otherwise quite boring i stay home i don't have uh work gossip i hang out with three kids (laughs) all day so so when someone has something to tell me i'm like oh my god like let's hear it yeah and i just feel like if if we have a disagreement about something then we could just talk about it yeah. and move forward. I am I am almost like forgiving to a fault. So even if you really hurt my feelings about something, 
I want to tell you that you've hurt them. I really just want you to acknowledge that you that you did it. Yeah. And that you're sorry and you didn't mean to hurt my feelings that way. And then we can move on. Yeah. But when I say to you, hey, this like this thing really hurt me. Yeah. Or this I don't understand why you why you did this thing or why you're acting this way. When I'm met with uh cool, we'll just part ways. Yeah. And it's like it feels as yeah, your value. I'm like, just oh my gosh. You, you start to reassess what did you value me before? Yeah, like did you only want me to to buy you coffee and yeah. like hype you up? Yeah. Cause I was also happy to do that. Yeah. But then when you hurt my feelings and I'm telling you, you hurt my feelings. And then said, you're like, I think that we both be better off going our separate ways. I'm like, I'm not better. I'm not better off. Yeah. I'm actually, my feelings are really hurt. So I just, I don't know, man. I, I just feel like I have really this last friendship that just ended <laughs> um, without any sort of, closure or conversation or whatever um it has rocked me as a 33 year old harder than anything has rocked me yeah. well i <laughs> think it, i think what it there that's what i was trying to say is i don't think it was this person this person was way younger than you i think you were at way different stages in life it was fun for sure but i don't think it's i think what you struggle with for, again from my perspective is the abandonment thing and that's what I felt a lot, again, with my brother, um, the, all the divorces that I've gone through. So I could I can relate on that level. And that's what I see when you feel so hurt by the fact that someone can just discard you so quickly. It's you're, you. I think it's because you feel abandoned and not loved on that level by humanity, by other humans. Yeah. You do by me, but we've had this talk. Like, I literally, I can give you everything I can give you in the world, but I can't be a non-husband friend. Right. You know what I mean? Well, and that's where we've talked before, where it's like, if I can meet up with a, a, somebody to, if I can meet up with a friend to go do something, mm -hmm. even though I'd rather hang out with you and get a babysitter, when I hang out with you, I am always your wife. I'm always the mom of your yeah. kids. We are always in our, like, these are the stresses that we have yeah. currently. We're in our element but, of, yeah, even, like, even when it's a good element. Yeah. It but if it's still, it's so it's like, I'm going to be with you and I'm going to be thinking, is he stressed about work? Is he yeah, right. stressed about finances? Is he feeling good mentally? Uh, did, is he okay with uh, what our kids are doing? Like, mm -hmm. Where where are you at? You're not girl talking. Right. Or, yeah. But then I have like my one very dear friend that I've had since the fourth grade. Um, and when I can have a moment with her, I am the kid that I feel like I have lost since becoming a mom. Yeah. Where like a lot of times now in my life, I'm so wrapped up in being there for our kids or being there for you that like, I don't even remember at the end of the day, what I like as an individual person. Yeah. I am always thinking about you or them or whatever. Um, and anything that I try to think about on my own feels really selfish in this way of like, I shouldn't well, be doing that. It's because you stepped that. into such a role of, as a, you know, a caregiver. Yeah. 
you know. And so when I can have those moments with friends, those are the times when I just like really get to be me. Mm -hmm. And so then it feels like this other layer of sadness and grief when these friendships dissolve because it's like they're taking that man I, for the last year and a half that we were really good friends i got to experience me yeah for that year and a half yeah. also no, I, I got remember, to do those things with you as me yeah you did so many and cool now things I don't last get to do year that. you lost so much weight by training hard you yeah. did the spartan races which you thought you would never do yeah you accomplished so much i did two half marathons like yeah. And some of this stuff I did with that person. And so it just feels like all of that was ripped from me. Not just the friendship, yeah. but also that. The self-exploration. Yeah, that I just hadn't gotten to have for a really long time. So, so yeah, <laughs> we'll get through it. But Yeah, well, and again, yeah, I think that. <laughs> but a girl is struggling <laughs> right now. So. You do. Yeah, you, and I think that's, part, again, another part of why we wanted to do this was not only to force us to sit down. Yeah, I'd be curious what runtime we're at. We have a clock coming next week to put on the wall. Oh, shit. We're at uh, about an hour 15. Okay. Yes. Okay. Um, we'll wrap it up here. We'll wrap it up. Um, but yeah, I, I think I wanted to be able to sit down and talk with you on a regular basis. And so this would force us to do that. Because again, this is the these are the times I feel the best. I cry. We laugh. We connect. This is the time we get to look into each other's eyes. There was so... There was so I feel like so many years where we went in our 17 year span where it's like, I just look around and think, I haven't just looked you in the eyes because yeah. we just go through our lives and work and then deal with the kids. And then we're cooking and we're looking at the TV and we never just sit and, right. and talk and look at each other. And I think that's important just alone. If, if literally no one else out there listens to this and, and we, we bought these mics, I set up this lighting and we just do this for each other. I'm happy doing that. Yeah. And because at the end of the day, not only do we have whatever these recordings turn into so that we could look back on them when we're older and reminisce. I think that'd be fun. And then two, this is what a great catalog of content to give your kids to let them know this is what your dad went through. This is what your mom went through. And this is this is a uh, moment in time where you can remember this is how your mom and dad talked to each other. They've always loved each other. You know, I don't know. There, there's a relic part of this that I'm I'm excited to do. So, but I hope <laughs> that said, I hope a lot of you listen, and I hope a lot of you write into the show. I'm trying to remember, we have uh, three emails now. So if you, you do, yeah, if, you have it at the end of the episode. I do. I, yeah, we, we have a little thing. I don't know if Would I'm going like to say it again. Yeah, just on the pilot, <laughs> just to let everybody know, so okay. it's not so concise here. If you do have a story, um, of whether it be trauma, uh, or it could be uh, trauma or triumph. If it's a good thing or a bad thing, just something you want to if it was get a off your chest. Thing, if it's an adult thing, doesn't matter. If it's something that you feel like you just want to talk about. You can be anonymous. Um, we are going to try our best to get back to every email as quickly as we can and be thoughtful with it. Yeah. And, and the emails that we do share on the show, whether you ask to be anonymous or not, we always will just keep them anonymous. I think yeah, that that's well, just the easiest thing to do. Yeah. I don't want anybody to feel okay about us reading their story and then us do it. And then they're like, oh my God, wait, no, I don't yeah. want you to do that. No, so that's fair. That's good. I think we'll always just keep everything anonymous that we 
read out on the show, but we thought that that could be a good way for people to feel heard and to get that connection also is yeah. for us to to read some of these that get sent in and then just kind of talk about them and then, yeah. you know, leave it open for people to then comment in, um, you know, if we, I think we're going to put together a Facebook group for, yeah. for listeners. We definitely so, want a space. Um, right now we think it's Facebook. Yeah. Uh, maybe it's something else. I don't, I don't know. Happy to hear what you guys think would be better. If it's not that it would be private. It's not going to be open. You'll, it'll, it'll be a thing where we we'll figure that out. We'll figure that out. But we do yeah. want a safe space, so to speak, for people to come and know when you come into this room, it's not about fucking memes. It's not about being savage. It's not about mic dropping on the internet. This is a place where- It's not where a political space. Absolutely it's, not Not even a religious space. Like, yeah. you know, I know there's going to be religious trauma, which is, I think, something we have to be careful one way or the other with. Yeah. But it's still valid trauma. Um, but we will do our best to keep this show as a place of comfort and openness for us all to just talk again, just talk. Um, I think I went this whole show without my necklaces that were tucked into my shirt. Damn, I didn't even show the drip this whole damn show. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah. And, and if you, if you do want to write in email, it's my life at broken And again, Kate and I are the ones reading those uh-huh. and, we will uh, respond with as a thoughtful e- uh, response as we can. And um, hopefully that is something that is cathartic for you and, and helpful. And if you don't want to do email, we do also have our hotline that we set up, which we is do. pretty cool. And that is 509-850-0674. And uh, if you want to call in, you, I think you have three minutes uh, that you can leave a voice message. It does ring a little long. I think it rings for like 30 or 40 seconds. It rings too long. I don't know. Why. I, and you can't change it. I looked into it. <laughs> so hang in there. It's okay? set up through Google Voice. <laughs> it's what we got. It works. Um, so yeah, you have up to three minutes if you want to leave a voice message. Um, I think in the uh, coming episodes, we're going to try to maybe find some time to like put some of those in. Um, I don't think there's a guarantee that we'll put all, all in, of course. Right. But it is a good way for us to you know, maybe we can gang some of these up and this is something we can listen to in the car. Just ma- it, it helps make it easier for us to to digest this. Uh, and then you can also text us on that number as well. It'll kind of come through uh, as the same. So, cool. yes, well, I, I guess this is a good spot to end it. I think we went a little long. We, we want to try to keep these two, I think, an hour. Yeah. To an hour 15 uh, yeah. is like the sweet spot. Just felt like we had a lot to kind of get through today yeah, and I don't a think brief overview of kind of where we're at and what made us want to yeah. put this podcast together in the first place. Um, and then, I mean, pretty much everything we talked about today, we'll have a, a deeper dive into oh, it. Oh yeah. Yeah. We'll um, get into another episode, but this one we just kind of wanted, I mean, I don't even assume that people that we went to high school with remember who I am. So I just felt like people needed to get a, a little intro to who we are. Yeah. Yeah. And, so. we'll, and yeah, we'll we'll even go more in depth on just the personal history. Um, oh shit, I was gonna say something else. Damn it, I had a perfect little wrap up, but I don't know what it is now. It's gone now. All right, thanks well, ADHD brain. Exactly, it happened twice <laughs> in this episode. It's gonna happen some more. Uh, oh, I know what I was gonna say. Um, so I think yeah. So this is I think a, a great pilot, and then we will release episode one. 
And I think the way we're going to do that is originally we were thinking theming the episodes as like, you know, divorce, uh, high school, uh, sexual abuse, that kind of thing. And I think instead of theming the episode, because in our conversations, they do kind of bounce and we don't have to keep it raw. We, we won't have bullet points or beats. We might have a couple, but I'm. I literally opened this up and it's blank. I didn't write a single I didn't thing even down. Up. It's yeah. On the floor. <laughs> so, so this was as natural as it could be. So I think the best thing we could do is maybe we will pick like a starting, like a jumping off point, you know? And like, so we'll talk about this thing in the very beginning. And, but wherever it takes us, it takes us. And I think that's part of the process. It's an adventure, y'all. Yeah. So, well, th- again, thanks for listening to the pilot. Yes. Um, we will be on all the platforms soon, Spotify, iTunes, etc. The best thing you can do for us is to go leave a five-star review if you like the show. Uh, yeah, follow subscribe, us on socials. Tell your friends. We really want this to feel like a safe space. We want it to be community-driven. Yeah. So we really prefer that um, all the people that are coming from word of mouth, you know, yeah. if you like what you've listened to, uh, please tell your friends. If you know a friend who maybe could benefit from being in a group that i don't know man i I feel like i think that's the cool thing about podcasts is when you listen to shows where other people are talking especially one like this if someone were listening and they had a very similar story to me or someone who writes in with a story if even though the words aren't coming out of their mouth maybe they're sitting in their cubicle or in their semi-truck or wherever they're listening they are still being heard and the thoughts that they have, the anger they want to express, and whatever other people's stories that they can relate to, I think there's a, a sense of being heard. And I want to extend that uh, from the show into the groups, into our emails. And yeah, we would just want to make this a, yeah, just a fun, safe place for people to feel comfortable. It is the, I, we're, we're, we want to no longer feel that broken part of ourselves. So we are the Broken Youth Club. And it's a clubhouse. Every time when I thought about this show, when I visualize it, I visualize the little rascals clubhouse. Yeah. Where they store the blur or whatever. Mm -hmm. And uh, I want this to feel, I got up in the middle of the show to check the camera because I told you I would double check and make sure I hit record. I don't know if you could tell in my eyes about 15 minutes in, I was like, "Mm, I don't think I hit record, (laughs) (laughs) but I did. I did. I did. So I want this show to feel raw. I don't want it to feel too scripted and like you're, we're all just talking mm-hmm. campfire mm-hmm. sesh almost. Yeah. And we are um, all, especially me, very vulnerable. So yeah. please be nice to us please. because <laughs> your girl can just barely handle it. Yeah. Okay? I know I say like a lot. I'm working on that. Mm-hmm. I'm um, a yeah girl. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We'll get it. This is the pilot. Yeah. This is your first like yeah. time behind. Yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> <laughs> this is your first time behind Mike. Really? Other than the, couple tests that we did right yes i think you're natural wow i think you do i I think you're doing a great job so far oh you too thank you thank you all right well i guess uh this has been the broken youth club right sure has is that how we're going to end it how should we end it um i always end a phone call with k love you bye k love you bye all right everybody love you bye we'll see you we'll we will see you next Uh week let's try that again let's back up okay because i'm not going to end the fucking pilot that way sure all right everybody We'll see you next week. Okay, love you. Bye. (laughs) Bye.